guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and you're listening to Specify, the Building Materials Innovation Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to help the entrepreneurs and the innovators who are making a positive difference in the building materials, coatings, and construction industry. Each episode, we'll tap leaders and experts from inside and outside the industry to provide the mental tools, skills, and insights to make an impact. Today's guest is Matt Daigle, CEO of RISE. RISE was started on the simple premise. How can the average homeowner have a home that's more sustainable in every way? Today, RISE is a leading online authority in sustainable home improvement. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, perfect. So uh, tell me more about your background. Yeah, sure. How far back do you want me to start? <laughs> How far back do you want to go? <laughs> well, so, I mean, I'm from, uh, I'm from the East Coast of Canada. We're from, uh, I'm from Frederick New Brunswick uh, originally. It's also where our company is headquartered. So I was born and raised here, went to school here. I think my background when I, I went to school, I, uh, I did an MBA in entrepreneurship. So I think for a while, I knew that I wanted my own business one day. But I think leaving school, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I, I got a little bit lucky, and right out of our, right out of my MBA, I, I ended up with a, a startup here, a local startup called Radiant Six, and mm. it was basically get a bit of experience kind of right out of school. And I said, Oh, I'll give it a year. And pretty quickly, a year turned into four years. And through those four years, saw the growth of the company from 50 employees by the time I was hired to about 350 employees. Mm. By the time we sold, the company was sold to salesforce.com, and then obviously joining thousands of people in the, the salesforce.com family. And so that was a really exciting time for me. And throughout all of this, got, I got exposure to startups and obviously very successful startups and kind of pushed me in, into that uh, the direction of starting my own company. So I left uh, Salesforce to join another company, more local IT company here. But by that time, the entrepreneurial bug kind of got the best of me and <laughs> I ended up kind of starting my own gig on the side. So while my nine to five was in product management and technology, my evenings and weekends, I took up a love for home ownership, primarily after having purchased my first home and then kind of fell into the renovation side and design and architecture and all that kind of stuff. And then I met my wife and she happens to be an interior designer. And so we, we love to talk about homes at our place. And so we bought our first house together and it happened to be uh, quite a fixer upper. So it was a one of these jobs that, you know, it's an inside and outside gut and renovating from top to bottom kind of thing. And it was a bit of a unique project because our we were trying to finish it before our first kid came along. Mm. And so we renovated the house for about six months. We moved in in, in April 2014. And in May 2014, our first daughter, Audrey, was born. And obviously, that's a really exciting time. But for me, it was kind of one of those life-changing moments where you start to think about the future a lot more when you have kids and what kind of world you're leaving behind for them and also what our footprint is as a family and and all that good stuff. And 
Then the second thing that happened to me around that same time is that I picked up our first power bill after having renovated this house. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it looked exactly the same as when we first started. Mm. And so that while the house looked beautiful aesthetically, obviously, my wife made sure of that. But unfortunately, I couldn't say that the house really met my my values and beliefs, you know, now that we have a kid, like is the, the paint that we're putting on the wall, is that healthy for them to breathe in? Or we're not obviously not saving on the cost of running the house. So how could we have done that differently? And that's really what inspired the beginning of, of the company that, that I'm part of today, which is Rise. Yeah. Does that give you a good idea? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I've been rambling for a while. <laughs> no, it's good. So, so, okay. So you had this thing, you're renovating this house and you were trying to make it sustainable and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. So you, you felt like there needed to be some sort of resource to sort of guide people in that process. So, so what happened from there? You, you know, what, what were the steps to, to get to, to where you were today? Yeah, that's a really great question. So luckily at the time, the company I was working for kind of valued innovation in general. And so I, I happily took advantage of that and said, well, I'm going to start this little company on the side and see what I can do. And basically that was my evenings and weekends and trying to really conceptualize what I, I had in mind because I was, at the end of the day, I was just trying to really solve my own problem. I, I had gone online and did a lot of research around the industry. And I guess what a lot of people would refer as the green building market and just realized how, how it was booming, especially the trajectory that it, it had in, in the previous decade and where it was going. And it's, it's slowly gaining more and more traction within the residential construction landscape. So I thought that was a fantastic opportunity, but I really wanted to create a technology company around this that would help homeowners, just average homeowners like me who could easily and seamlessly take advantage of, of this without any hiccups or without the, the troubles that I had experienced. So, so I started that kind of on the side. I, there's a local business plan competition that was happening later in, in 2014. So I actually got a small team together and started, and started to pitch and go through that, that process. And that helped me to kind of develop the business plan and the I helped develop the idea, get early mock-ups of what the site would look like and that sort of thing. And the folks that I got involved early on, they didn't believe in, in the in the project at that time, I think as much as I did because nobody was working on it full time. Mm-hmm. But I developed it enough that by the time that business plan competition wrapped up, we didn't win obviously we weren't very far along. But by the time that that wrapped up, it allowed me to create relationships with potential investors and really made the idea that much more concrete. So by 2015, uh, summer of 2015, I put the company through an accelerator program called Propel ICT's regional accelerator program in Atlantic Canada. So went through that. And by the end of it, that kind of gave me even more exposure to investors and you know people who could help me make this a reality it also was kind of like the the lever that pushed me to go at this full time and so by september 2015 i left my full-time gig to to pursue uh rise on so yeah and that was 2015 i went to another accelerator the tail end of 2015 that dealt with it was a social enterprise accelerator called You for Change. 
that native to the region here, and also joined an incubator in Boston called Greentown Labs. We were the first Canadian company to join that incubator remotely, and that also gave us exposure to a network of folks down in, in Boston. So by 2016, we had, we, we basically, that was the year where things really started to get into motion. And I uh, hired my first two employees. I managed to hire a couple of folks that they come work for us for, for nothing at the time because we weren't funded yet. And by late 2016, we took on our first run of funding and, and off we were to the races and yeah, started building the product that year as well. And yeah. So it was, it was a good number of years, just kind of, I don't know, building the idea, right? So you went live with your site in 2016. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, 2017 is when we really put kind of an MVP out there. Yeah. And at the end of the day, really what Rise is, is trying to do is to create an online resource for homeowners. We want to be the, the voice of the homeowner, but also have the answers for homeowners who want to have a home that's more sustainable. So the, the site has evolved quite a bit since then. But at its very core, we, we just offer e-tools that will help homeowners along the way. So just to give you a quick over, overview, like the first thing we do is, is inspiration. So we have kind of a Pinterest-style feed of really lovely homes that are a bit more sustainable and that you can actually interact with and find out what actually made those homes possible. So there's over almost 300 different product types that we've analyzed and researched and give information on. So if you're looking at a picture of a kitchen, we might tell you more about maybe the insulation that's inside the wall of that kitchen or the type of window that was used or the lighting or so on and so forth. Okay. So, so brand names. So basically the brand names provided through the contractors or how, how is this information populated? Yeah. So you're, you're exactly right. So all these photos come from professionals who are, are part of our site. So they have the the opportunity to, to upload their entire portfolio of projects and then tag those photos with sustainable products that they use in those projects. Very cool. Describe the sort of scale of the site now. I mean, it must have a, a lot of different pages. If I think your model is centered around traffic and sort of giving contractors access to that traffic. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So okay. the lookbook, was the, the first one that I talked about is kind of where they their projects can shine. But we also have an entire section, for example, on rebates and incentives that will help you to save. We're actually the only American site right now that has all rebates and incentives for all states and provinces across North America. So if you are in Vancouver, I can tell you which utility rebates or municipal rebates will help you save on your next renovation project. So that actually helps drive a lot of traffic for us. But then the key traffic driver for us has been our content. And and that's primarily in, in part uh, or uh, as a result of a, a fantastic writing team. And, and we primarily employ freelance experts. So, and I think the more the company has grown, the more we've attracted expert talent to come write for us. And that's the really exciting part because at the end of the day, Rise is trying to become really a, an objective resource for folks. And mm-hmm. We just want to give transparent knowledge about how to build a better home. And so, yeah, we have content. I think we're probably just over five or 600 different articles that were written on whether different products or ways of building. And we have, we also are starting to have a lot more video content as well to go along with that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So 
is there certain types of content that get people interested? Like where, where's the sort of, where are people thinking when it comes to sort of searching for things online? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's a bit of a mismatch, to be honest with you. When it comes to Google, the part of our strategy as a, as a technology company, we're kind of building SEO first, to be honest with you. So search engine optimization first. We're, we're very, we w- really want Google to like us <laughs> when it comes to, to reaching folks organically. So if you're looking for a container home or if you're looking for baseboard moldings or home heat loss or there's different, there's tons of different search terms out there that we rank for. And I think obviously there's some topics that are a lot more exciting or sexy than others. Like right now, we, we rank really well for prefab homes and container homes. Mm-hmm. And then we rank for like random topics like, well, I mentioned baseboards. That's another one that we, we rank for. Like not a lot of people have information about baseboard and moldings. Mm. So it's all about how your content also is written, how it answers questions for people. You almost have to put yourself in the shoes of if I'm writing this content, how is someone going to find it if they're searching for it on the internet? And that's essentially how we how we write our, our content to, to to rank better with, with Google. Yeah. So for people that don't know as much on on SEO, I mean, is is SEO strategy currently primarily based on the quality content, or is there a lot of outreach to sort of build sort of relationships with other sites as well? Like what's, what's kind of like, how should we understand what SEO strategy to you guys? Yeah, it's, well, to be honest, as much as I want to say we have all the answers, we really don't. At at the end of the day, Google is still very much of a black box. Mm -hmm. But what's really nice is that Google has built some tools that make it easier for folks who are serious about how they rank. Like, you know, because building a website is one thing, but getting that site discovered is way more important. So. Basically, at the end of the day, there's a tool that we use actually quite a bit in our office called Google Lighthouse. And it's it's basically almost like a dashboard view of how Google perceives your site. Because there's all these crawlers crawling the web all the time. And and Google, obviously, is also crawling your site. And they want to make sure that the way that Google views your site is the correct way. So there are things like your page speed or the performance of your site, how accessible is it? Are you doing all the SEO best practices that you should be doing? There's a lot of things that are really key to making sure that you rank correctly. So, And that can range from how quickly your site renders to how, your, how you write your, your headers, your text, or how often certain keywords appear or which tags you use. There, there is a lot to unpack there, <laughs> but and there's not, there's not a silver bullet. Unfortunately, it's it's one of those things where I think if you are serious about having a website and getting it discovered, you also want to. If you're investing in content, you should be investing just as much into SEO. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Now, with the people that come to your site and that care about sustainability, are you seeing certain patterns of sort of interest from geography, like some areas more than others? Can you describe any of those trends? Yeah, most of our traffic is North American based right now. We we market ourselves primarily to North America, and so I can say we are our company is based in Eastern Canada, in, in the Atlantic provinces. But most of our 
most of our audience are reside in, in the bigger city centers. And we've kind of identified some of the, the big cities, typically it's cities over 500,000 folks where there's, a, I guess, a bigger appetite. It's also because there's a, there's a bigger population also. Mm-hmm. But cities like Vancouver, San Francisco, LA, Seattle, Portland, uh, these are all city centers that we're, we're much more familiar with in terms of the audience and then connecting to our message. Yeah. So, I mean, you said you're in Eastern Canada. I mean, is, is your team all there or are you guys all sort of coordinating remotely? No, the bulk of the team is in New Brunswick. We have just one other person in Nova Scotia. And then we have our writers are kind of scattered across North America. Some writers in Canada and the United States. And our editor is based in Minneapolis, but uh, all are all North American based. What sort of rate are you publishing right now? Just to get a sense. You said you have 500 to 600 articles. I mean, I'm assuming as your site grows, you're putting out more and more stuff. And what sort of rate are you publishing? Yeah, we're a bit different than most, to be honest mm. with you. We do one a day. Mm. Right now, we, pu- we publish every single day of the week and we just do one a day. And that's basically... It's intentional, and I think eventually it may it may grow, but not to the type of we don't want. Our goal is not to be an online kind of media or magazine. While content is really important to us and driving traffic to our site, it's really just a part of what we really want to do. It's mostly to just attract folks to to the site and then take advantage of of other areas of the site at the same time. So I I think, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I lost my train of thought there. But. <laughs> yeah, we're, t- we're talking about sort of publishing, but you said once you get people there, you you probably have some retention strategy. What, what's that look like? Yeah, exactly. I think for us, we are, we're, not, we're not just another WordPress site or another blog. And so we intentionally built our site on a very technical framework. The bulk of our team is, is software developers. So we, we care very much about that. So the longer term play of Rise is to make it really sticky. So right now, every user that comes to our site on average stays for at least three pages. So mm-hmm. they might consult the first page that they see, and then they might go to two others. That's the average. But we have thousands of photos in our lookbook. We have hundreds of different rebates, professionals you can browse, again, hundreds of articles. Uh, so there's there's tons of content to play with. but. How do you make this all sticky and and get people to really stick around for a long time? And that, to me, is it's about building community. And that's kind of the next iteration for Ryzen. We want to really get to a point where the site creates a bit of a network effect where because we have an audience that's really... It's really a fantastic audience. And and I say this because it's, it's a, very, a very educated audience, an audience that's very hungry for information. And there's a lot, we're very lucky in that there's quite a few folks that find that, that audience. It's one that, that folks really want to tap into. So whether that's manufacturers or professionals, so that all that to say that the next, the next phase for Rise is really to, to hammer home that stickiness and create some, some network effect around our community. Very cool. So, okay. So you talked about community. I love that topic. But what about social? How does social play into what you're trying to do, social media? It's really important, obviously. If you're not on social these days, it's for a lot of folks, it's, it's make or break. It's roughly right now, it's about 20 to 30% of our total traffic is driven mm-hmm. through social. 
our key networks, our key network, I should say, is, is really Facebook. That's that's a really good traffic driver for us. And like also the, the folks that come to us from Facebook typically tend to stick around for a while as well. So it's fairly good traffic generator for us. That said, there's other networks that some people, I think, will take more advantage of things like Instagram for their business, whereas for us, it's more of a brand awareness thing. Mm. We do happen to have really nice photos of homes on our site. So we you know, happily post those on, on Instagram. But uh, Pinterest is actually another one that we are really starting to tons of results from. And there's obviously best practices around how, how do you best use Pinterest and getting your stuff on Pinterest, but also that translating into direct traffic to your site. So that's another one where we're seeing increasing traction. Twitter, not so much. Good for connecting with professionals a little bit. LinkedIn is another one where we are revamped our strategy for that this year and it's really paid off. Mm. It's a fantastic network just for... Uh, well, I, actually, I, that may actually be how we met yeah. just through, through LinkedIn or how we, we got connected. So you can kind of reuse a lot of the same content from network to network. So yeah. we've got some fantastic marketing people who, are, who uh, look after that every day and they do, they do a great job at, at growing our, our community on that side. Yeah. So you kind of sort of repurpose it for different networks and a LinkedIn is a, is a new focus for you. It really is. I think it, it connects more to the, the professional side of things. So historically, we, in the last year and a half, we've really started to market the company and we've really been focused on homeowners and growing that homeowner audience. And now we've got it to Yachting is, is, a, is a very good size at the moment and we're going to obviously keep growing it, but we can now start to have more conversations to actually monetize what we're doing. And so even reaching manufacturers right now, we're just about to launch our manufacturer offering. And so that, that's a great way to connect directly with folks. Sending a LinkedIn message is oftentimes like you, most of the time you get a response. It's a, it's a great way to, to get people's attention. Absolutely. How's that uh, manufacturing offering look look like? Is it sort of a, a subscription model as well? It is. Yeah. So it gives a manufacturer the opportunity to have a profile on our site. They can upload the products that they have. Obviously, the manufacturers that we feature on the site are, are very targeted and, and vetted by our team. And it's a lot of the content, con- just like the content that we have on our site, it's very curated. And obviously, it kind of pass- passes the rise litmus test. Mm. So for these manufacturers, they basically get a, a profile with the ability to upload different products and also projects that their products have been featured in, even upload a list of locations and dealers where their products are available. They won't be selling products on our site. It's purely for brand awareness and visibility. So yeah. they'll appear in different spots on the site. We don't do ads on our site. You'll probably notice that's something that we'll never do, something that I was started very early on at the company. We always said that no matter how big it got, that we we would never enable ads on our site, and we'll, <laughs> we're staying true to that. So, and even dealing with manufacturers and the way that we price it, it's kind of a it's a standard model, a three tiered model, where and everybody pays the same price. There's not really any negotiating happening on that side either. Where we want to remain objective, we're giving everybody an equal chance at, at getting exposure to this audience. Yeah. No, very cool. You mentioned uh, Rise Litmus Test. What does that look like? What is that based on? Like for, I'm assuming it's for sustainability, that litmus test. It is. Yeah. So just even the way that we approach specific manufacturers for this new offering, it's 
really been, we've kind of really cherry picked the best of the best, even moving forward and, and selling to more manufacturers and getting more manufacturers on our, on our site. We're very selective that we've got a bit of an internal process to that, but we hope by mid next year to have a more external process that we can share where we can say, Hey, we want to be a bit more prescriptive about the types of products that we're going to go after. Because when it comes to sustainability, like we throw that word around a lot and that might mean different things to different people. So like if you look at, I don't know, an LED bulb, for example, well, an LED bulb is really good for saving you money Mm -hmm. if you're switching from an incandescent. But then you start to look at things like, what is it made of? Where was it made? Who made it? So there's all these these other factors in there that while the product might be good to save you money, maybe it comes from a factory that's very, very far away that's in poor living conditions and the products or the the, the the resources used to make that product, maybe they're they're awful and at end of life, maybe that product can't be recycled and it and just ends up in a landfill. So mm-hmm. these are all things that we need to be tracking and we all need to be paying attention to because sustainability is not just about saving money or it really is at the end of the day, they are things that benefit your health, your wealth, and the planet. But we need to make sure that whoever's... And there's obviously, there's going to be trade-offs, right? Like there's products that you buy and that it might be a local product, but it might not be made with the best materials. And then there's a product that might be... It might save you a lot of money, but maybe it's very, very far away. So I take the example of bamboo flooring, for example. A lot of people will say, well, I love bamboo flooring because it comes from regenerative sources. Mm -hmm. It comes from bamboo and that can grow fast and that's fantastic. But most bamboo these days are sourced in in Asia. And so it has to travel far to get here. And so, and some people would say that has a much higher footprint than maybe some of the the wood alternatives that are closer by. So there are trade-offs. It's hard to find the the perfect green product or typically shades of green is what we've, <laughs> what we've learned. Yep. Sustainability is not simple. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's not. Yeah. But we're here to make it easy. That's, that's what we yeah, want to try right. to help convey. Yeah. Perfect. Your site has some momentum. You've, you've worked in a sort of non-entrepreneurial environment and you sort of transitioned to an entrepreneurial environment. What was kind of the turning point of your, your life or, or your entrepreneurial career when you sort of felt like you kind of, okay, maybe I'm starting to get the hang of this. Was there sort of a, a point where it sort of, sort of hit you, maybe a piece of advice or some external sort of result that sort of helped you get over that edge? That's a, that's a loaded question, man. It could be a <laughs> while on this one. Uh, <laughs> no, I will say like, I've had a few like key moments in my life where, yeah, and it's funny, it's funny you mentioned this because like my, even my, my close friends will, they call me, they'll call me by my last name. They call me Daigle and they say, that's Daigle version 2.0 and that's Daigle version 3.0 and 4.0. And so and each version is like, kind of like after a pivotal moment in my life. And so 2.0 was like in my twenties and in my twenties, I was like, I growing up as a very big kid with that attitude and by my early 20s, I was like totally fed up with it. And I was like, you know, I want to change things. And so I started exercising, started watching what I eat and totally changed my mindset and my approach on life. And so that was stable to point. And then <laughs> by the time my 30s rolled around, I had a kid and I had my first kid. Now I have, now I have two kids and 
And I think they, now they call me Dangle 3.0 or 3.5 or something like that. But <laughs> not a whole lot of that has, has, has to do with my, the, the business. For me, moving into a role where you're literally starting a company from scratch. And while I was part of a, another startup in the past, like I wasn't a key player at, at that company. Like I, I was along for that amazing ride and I had to learn a ton, but I wasn't on the front, the, the front lines of, making that that big deal happen and really growing the company massively. Now you're really kind of starting from zero. You're trying to build credibility with people. Yeah. You're pitching to hundreds of investors. You're really putting yourself out there. And for me, I think it was just what kind of... It wasn't really a, a specific point. I think I just always had it in my mind that I would persevere. And I really kind of believed in what I was doing and what I was setting out to do. And I kind of had that firm vision from, from the beginning and told myself, I'm, I'm going to stick to this. And there are days where, holy moly, you're like, why am I still doing this? Like, why is this, why am I doing this to myself? And now you're, but you stick with it and you build, you build credibility. And I, I could see as the years went by now, I'm, I just celebrated my fourth year full time with rise. And like, I look at every year and every milestone that was hit and it's like every time you build credibility and and you you talk to people and they just the way they respond to you everything is 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 changed and for us luckily we're kind of one of those companies where we're at a perfect time to be doing what we're doing Mm. even the conversation the shift in conversation from when i started the company to now uh, in, in the shift of the conversation in the media i should say it has dramatically changed in terms of the focus on sustainability and, and where the planet's going. And that's totally been to the company's benefit. And so that, I think that's why we're also getting the audience that we're, we're getting today. Nice. Oh, well, you're, you're busy, busy. Two kids, the uh, a growing entrepreneur adventure. How do you keep things organized? I mean, are there any habits or routines that sort of keep everything together? Yeah, I just uh, actually did another podcast just, few days ago and they asked me a very similar question. And so I'm going to feel like I, I'm rehashing the same, the same stuff, but these are like kind of this, these have kind of helped me uh, along the way. And for me, the first thing in the morning is 5am I'm up and I'm at the gym. The gym is, it's kind of, for me, it's my real alone time that I get that one hour a day where I'm just kind of in the zone. And I see mostly the same people at the gym every morning and they must think I'm this big jerk that's over there because I, I have my head down and I don't talk to anybody. Like I'm just <laughs> doing my thing. Right. And because I, I think you kind of need that. You need to I think life gets really busy and we, I think oftentimes just forget to make time for ourselves. And I think I, I still need to make more time for myself. Mm-hmm. Like you said, having two kids and a wife and my wife also has her own business that she started around the same time as mine. So things are, are very hectic. So for me, it's the gym. And then by 8.30, 9 a.m. every morning, I've got to have my coffee. I need a couple of coffees to get me going throughout the day. <laughs> just kind of the, the ritual. And last day, I would say reading is one that I would just... I would love to do more of. It's one that I, I get to do once in a while. And whenever I get... If it's once every couple of years, I get to go on a vacation. I think it's like a vacation for reading. It's one of those things that I, I think are super important. I think it's one of the, the best ways to learn and, and to grow it as individuals. So those are the, 
those are the top ones for me. Great. Those are great tips. Now, is there anything I should have asked you but didn't? Uh, I don't think so. No, not really. I mean, we've got, we've hit, we hit a couple of really nice milestones recently, but it, that's worth like noting here. Just last week, we were featured in Forbes magazine, which was a really big deal for us. Nice. We put a lot of effort into the PR and we've been featured on a few pretty good publications, but I think the, the Forbes article has taken the cake so far and <laughs> we hope to see more of those. And it's just nice to see folks starting to pay attention to the story and getting noticed that way. And the other thing I, I want to probably mention is kind of the, the B Corp side. So Rise was actually became a certified B Corp in late May this year. And so I'm not sure, is that something you're familiar with B Corps or? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that, that was also a, a pretty big deal for us because it was kind of like, it's kind of part, it's just kind of part of the DNA of the company and was one of those milestones that we, I knew starting this business that I would have to get that certification at some point and getting, getting the company far along enough to be able to, to get that. It was uh, really exciting for us and it's opened a ton of doors and, Really, it helps. It helps companies really walk the talk, kind of thing. I think those are the only other things that I probably want to mention. But it, I mean, you don't. You also don't have to to put that out there either. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's great. I think those are important. B Corp and all the media recognition. I mean, I'm a big supporter of this whole shift in uh, focus on sustainability and and trying to to help people navigate that through. So. I think what you're doing is great. And uh, yeah, I, I wish you the, the best of uh, success. Awesome. I appreciate that. So I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify. And I also want to thank the listeners specifically that are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, please forward it along and send me a note or drop me a comment if you have any feedback or suggestions. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.